Welcome back to Chasing the Ghost Light, a podcast where I ask writers about the singular moments and stories that haunt them artistically. This podcast is produced by Three Girls Theater, a theater company dedicated to developing and producing new work by women writers. And this week's guest is Tyler Jeffries, and Tyler is an actor, writer, and fitness coach. She's also a member of the social justice theater ensemble Us in the U.S., which advocates for uncomfortable conversations and celebrates the healing of the world, the country, and the self. As part of this project, Tyler has led writing workshops called Write Myself Free. In quarantine, she's performed in Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing and Aristophanes' Lysistrata. She's also the creator of Spinally Free, which blends her artistic training with fitness. So first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. I've, I've been looking forward to interviewing you. And something that I'm curious about is, so I know that you describe yourself as an archivist. So I'm wondering, what does this mean for you? Great. Thanks for having me, first of all, Hannah. Good to see you again. Um, Artivist. It's someone who, who is activated and activates the world, at least tries to, through art. So there's different ways to be an activist, you know, as a business person and as a speaker and different ways and I think one way is to produce art that calls for action. Mm-hmm. So I know that you recently directed two films with us in the U.S. part one the past and part two the present and I would love to know what's the title of the ensemble us in the U.S. mean for you personally? Let's see, what does it mean? It means that we are the foundations of this country. Literally, brown people built it for free. Well, not for free, they had to pay a lot, but they didn't get paid. And brown people were here before. Um, And technically, you know, everyone's brown. But I guess I want to say, like, more heavily melanated people were here before colonization happened. Um, People who look like me, people lighter with straighter hair, etc. And there's so much culture that has been lost, but it's still rooted in our DNA. And that, those little trinkles have come out in American culture. But nobody wants to talk about it. So we feel suffocated almost. I mean, like take twerking, for example. Twerking was something that is literally in my DNA. When I hear the drums, my hips are like, okay, let's go. I'm not controlling that. You know, I don't have nothing to do with it. I really don't. And so, you know, now it's been taken and exploited, sexploited for all these decades. And before it was, it was a dance of worship. It was a dance of fun. And... If you go to Africa now, they still have the dance that looks just like it, Mapuka. And, you know, it's hard here because then you you can't really express yourself that way else, you know, everyone wants to stare at you or or ask you weird questions or, you know, ask them to teach you how to do it or, 
you know, weird stuff. And then it's embedded in the culture in a way that pop music mm-hmm. showcases it. Um, and I'm not even talking about twerking anymore. I'm just talking about just us. And I think us in the U.S. stands for us been here because of that. But also, we are going to be here anyway. So let's just listen to each other. And not everyone's going to agree. I mean, even black people. I don't even like being called black. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I don't even like being called African-American. So people are like, well, what, what do I call you? So I'm still trying to figure that out. I have a theory. I think Afro-American fits best for me. What? Why it's is more that? Accurate. Um, because black is a color. I'm not a color. I'm not a color of mm-hmm. crayon. Um, I was babysitting a seven-year-old during the beginning of COVID. And it was around, um, what's it called? MLK Day, so they had this whole, you know, MLK curriculum. And they kept saying black, 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 and she was getting twitchy. And I was like, you gotta go tinkle, go tinkle. She's like, no, you know, it feels weird when they keep saying black. I'm like, you're right. Oh my goodness. Like her intuition was spot on. Like I'm not black. That's the color of a crown. That's what she said. So I had to like tell the teacher. It was weird. Anyway, I, that's another story. Yeah. I was just like. <laughs> I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah hi. <laughs> Just, you know, by the way, thought I'd pop in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but it's true. And, like, you get told that you are black, so you think you're black. And then we got, that's what we are, the black. And we didn't even make it up. It's not like we were like, oh, we're black. No, we got called that. And so African-American, it just doesn't sit well to me because I ain't never been to Africa. And I don't think, I don't know what, there's, Africa's a whole continent. Like, well, that, what, that don't mean nothing. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't know what language, what food, what, I can't trace it back. Like, what do you, I don't know, it's weird. So I just don't really align with that. So I don't know. And I think I like being American. It's not like I don't like being American. We created America, like I just said. So anyway, I'm just exploring all that. And I don't even know how I got here. What are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. But I love what you say about, you know, sort of like unraveling those terms and that the girl that you were babysitting, we literally had this like visceral, like bodily reaction to that word, which I think is really interesting. And, you know, I know that within this uh, project, it's a devised piece. Um, and mm. as someone who loves devising, I know that in devising, there's no hierarchy. And so I sort of love that, you know, idea of modeling how you work as a collective as a way to sort of, you know, transmit that into an ideal way of existing in the world. So I would love to know what this process of devising has been like, specifically with the two, with the films that you've been making um, during COVID. Hmm. Well, it started with For me, it started with just wanting community for writing during the lockdown. I got bored and Mm -hmm. I was starting to write and it became difficult um, to write about certain things. And I remember writing with people before COVID. So Mm -hmm. Write Myself Free came from an idea that Miriam Mariah had for a show we did in 2019 called Shifts Mm -hmm. in Consciousness. And during this time in rehearsals, we would spend a chunk of time writing together. And when it came to showtime, 
we just sat on stage with our notebooks just like we did during rehearsals and each one got up set their piece sat back down so it was really nice to kind of bring that to the audience too so they could see the process a little bit and it, it just felt it felt easier because I teach group fitness so it's kind of the same concept of like it's easier with the group sometimes yeah and that's how that happened and then people created wonderful things and uh, the, the founder of Us in U.S. and Fahilan, she was like, oh, you should make a show out of this. I was like, and I'm not about to be a director. Like, that's, no, I don't want to, that's too much. I want to be the paint for the stage. She was like, yeah, but you have to be the director. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. all right. So um, and then it just became asking questions, just asking questions, staying curious with what people had to say about certain topics and not applying any opinion to it because it's just a place for people to come and speak. And that seems like the hardest thing for a lot of folks is just to come and speak, um, no matter what it is, as long as it's honest. And that's the hard part is just being so honest hurts, but it's releasing. And just to be able to share that intimate space, especially during the lockdown, was, was really like magical and therapeutic and we created some wonderful things and that's why that kind of what happened was in the past kind of feels dreamy like that because mm -hmm. it really felt like what's happening um and i think that asking people what they see for their work too really helped so I, I really wanted to make a collab because I like I said I didn't even want to direct it so because that means you gotta you gotta think of the whole world and the whole story like yeah I like having a director I don't want to do all that. <laughs> I don't want to do all that man. yeah that's a lot of work so that's, that's why I just asked for everybody's help because I don't want to mm -hmm. do it <laughs> yeah and I think I love what you say about the sort of like the like the hard part literally is just sort of like. Um, like one of my uh, professors would literally be like, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, like ass on chair, fingers on keys. And that's like, honestly, like the hardest part. And also, you know, telling, telling the truth. And, you know, I know that you would mention that during quarantine, you would, you know, be with your thoughts with like limited distractions and that you would be working to write about your heritage as an orphan. And that every time you would fall asleep. Um, and I would, you know, love to know, I guess, like what that experience was like for you and I guess also how it shifted, you know, in being and working to channel that truth in a group setting. Right. So to be honest, one thing about leading the group means you don't have to really do it yourself all the time. Okay. So <laughs> I, I did not go as deep as I probably could have gone. Like I pushed people to go deep, but I did not go I couldn't go that deep, not into that, but I am, um, you know, I know other people could, and I'm like, look, if you can do it, and then they did, and they did, but I didn't have, I didn't have anyone pushing me at the time. Um, I wasn't pushing myself. So I took a, a writing workshop <laughs> with a guy named Michael French. It was um, called the something 
African descent writing workshop. Uh-huh. And it's a writing workshop just, you know, for people. And it was all over the world. There's people from the Dominican Republic. There's people from Brazil. There's people from America, London. Um, all these people from the African diaspora. And we all just wrote together. And he pushed. He pushed. <laughs> I was like, ouch, ouch. You know? And I, I needed that. Yeah. Because I was trying. I was doing that for other people. So um, I, before that, I was I would try to write about being an orphan and I would just write, you know, free write. And I would really just put my pencil down and go take a nap. Like it was really that simple. It was like this is hard. I don't want to do it. My body would just check out. And it was just going to places that were really di- that was obviously difficult to be and I feel like I had to remember a lot more than I wanted to, maybe. You know? Like yeah. I didn't know what details to hold on to. I didn't I didn't know what was there. And mm-hmm. so writing with him, with the group, he would ask, like, really specific questions. Um, like, write about a story, or just, it'll give you a line. Give you a line, and then you just finish the line with a story, or something like that. And I tried to, my goal going in was trying to go back to the space that was hard to get to before. Mm-hmm. Like, I would use whatever prompts he did to go there. So... Yeah, that helped. I definitely went to places and wrote about it, and he would just keep pushing me further. So, and I think part two um, of what had happened was is really quite the release of all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the past hurt so much, and that's why the past is kind of dreamy like that. The visually. Um, and the pieces are the way they are, but then the present, I really learned to receive love and like how to how to organize my energy to be. I reached out to my dad during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I haven't seen him since I was seven. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I went up. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, seven. And I caught in contact with him because my brother reached out to me during the lockdown on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, in July and I was like and I took a couple days I didn't I just ignored him for a couple days and he was like hey call me and I was like oh man okay yeah can't run away I was like oh, no, I'm just not gonna... <laughs> I try to run away from my problems <laughs> I did it is and, easier um, to yeah to sleep or yeah, yeah right like why not I'm not doing that um so I contact him and we're we're pretty close now. I should probably call him soon. And we call each other like once a week. Um, mm-hmm. But he was like, you really want to talk to him? Like, he sucks. But okay, sure. And I called him and I talked to him and he was right. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but I did it though. I like yeah. did it. And that was a big part of what happened was part two. It was like the process of even getting to the space to do something like that for myself. Mm-hmm. What was, I guess, sort of the straw that broke the camel's back where you were sort of like, I have to do this? Was there like any, I guess, Prayer. specific pro- that? Okay. Interesting. Oh, like have to do the show or have to call my dad? I guess with, with really going into, with, with your dad and like getting into that. So prayer. Um. Well, prayer, prayer, for sure. Prayer surrounds it all. I mean, prayer is why I had to do the show. Like, God was like, here, 
are you doing what I'm telling you to do? This is what I'm telling you to do. I'm just like, yeah, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, but you have to. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I really feel like that's how it happened. But for my dad, um, I mean, I fell in love during during the production of What I Happened Was Part 2. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, calling my dad made it, I was able to open up more to receive well from you know from a man and really trust him and like submit because you you can submit to your dad your dad if he's if he's cool you know yeah he's like all right whatever dad or you know I guess I'm I'm imagining that's how it works I don't know but yeah uh, my friend she she was doing the same thing she was dating a guy she you know started falling in love with him and then I was like is it easy for you to submit to him like why is it so easy for you to just like go along with all this she was like honestly I was like yeah she was like because I have a dad like I mean. You have experience. Yeah. And I was like, dang. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got to call my dad. <laughs> I got to yeah. figure this out. This is not. <laughs> yeah. What? That's all? Yeah. Man. <laughs> it's like the can of worms just like has to be open. There's no choice. Yeah. I was like, yeah. okay, well, let me just try. Let me just see what happens. Okay. No, no. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I, I tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting, I think, how with writing you know like it's like mentally it's like you can kind of like want to do something but on like a bodily and like gut level there's something that is just like fuck no like this is like not yeah not safe safe place and i know i something that i uh i know that you were on the podcast cross perceptions and you know you really delved into you know feminine versus masculine energies and i know that you you know had sort of defined the feminine energy is like an energy that sort of surrenders. Um, and I know that you would also, when I'd asked you about what you were haunted by, described, you know, a moment in college in which you had to do a scene in which you had to sort of embody this feminine energy and that it was really difficult. Oh so I would gosh. love to know, like, as someone who's been in a lot of really intense acting classes, I can like empathize with that a lot. So I would love to know, like, what that experience was like and sort of how, why it stayed with you for so long. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, what was the role? It was The Picnic by Eugene O'Neill, I think. Okay. And um yeah. yeah, and it wasn't Millie, it was the other one, I forgot her name. And uh she she was just very feminine, very like smooth with her movements. She was very kind of go with the flowy, but she wasn't considered smart. She wasn't, she was considered beautiful and she was very confident with herself. Like she knew, I don't know. She just, she knew herself on that level. And so of course I wanted to play the other one who was like kind of smart and like not like her and mm-hmm. you know, a little more stiff probably. And so I was using these actions in acting, right? You got the actions yeah. behind the sentence and I was using these actions that had nothing to do with the character. I knew that, but I was like, freeze. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it was with the dude. The scene was with the dude, too, like, you know, coming at me. And then one of them was like, freeze. <laughs> the other one was like, evade <laughs> or something like that. And then yeah. um, uh, my, my coach was like, why are you using these actions? And I was like, what, okay, what would you use? And she was like, surrender. I was like, oh. <gasps> Yeah. No. <laughs> I was like, what? What is that? I was like, I'm not doing yeah. that. Of course, I did it. 
And then uh, I did it, and boy, I checked out. Like, my body just kind of went limp. I don't think I, you know, actually passed out, but I kind of, like, blacked out mentally every time I would try to perform. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of annoying. And eventually I just got kind of benched, got benched. I was like, I just, I couldn't do it. And Mm -hmm. um, after each performance, you know, the, the... the rest of the class is analyzing your work and asking you questions and one of one of the answers I gave was you know as a modern woman it's easy to dismiss these dudes it's easy to be like oh well you don't like me okay whatever like well I don't know what cares (laughs) you know whatever but this was a 50s piece where if you really embody the way women survived back then Mm -hmm you would not be thinking that way yeah so to have your survival depend on you surrendering to the right man is terrifying give you a lot of power gives you a lot of power and i did i learned that i was like oh if i surrender to these dudes i'm giving them power and if they don't deliver that's on them like oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you yeah. have the upper hand i was like oh this is amazing i was like i never yeah. knew this yeah. yeah, anyway, so it was it was a tough, you know, it was it was tough to figure that out. But once I figured it out, I was I felt better. I felt more released. And I remember thinking to give them that much power is powerful mm-hmm. to me. I felt like that it was powerful to give them that. And at first I was being a brat. I was like, well, I can't give them all this power because what if they don't want you? And that hurt. And I think that's why I kept checking out because I I knew I was taking this huge risk that if they didn't want me it would kill me you know Mm -hmm. and now we're so conditioned to not let that bother you as much which I think is good yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know which I think is good Mm. but like I see why we're like that because that hurt like you gotta get your heart broken like that over and over again like yeah, to be yeah, just like, here, like a like a filleted yeah, salmon, can, just like I, stab me. I'm I'm ready for it. And yeah, like yeah. what you nah, bro? Like who are you? Yeah. Are you worth? What makes you worthy? Yeah. So so now, do you feel like you as, as an actor? Like do you feel like you you gravitate towards masculine roles categorically, or do you feel like you know you're because of that experience, you sort of lean more towards both? Yeah, towards both. Like, I mm-hmm. I mean, one of my favorite roles was a pirate that I played, and I feel like she was so both, you know? Mm-hmm. She was hitting on the pirate dudes, which is what I would do as a pirate. Yeah. Like, she was still tough, you know? Like, she was still able to handle her stuff. Like, I don't know. I liked her a lot. She was one of my favorite people to be. Um, and so, I would, yeah, I think to say both. I think now it's just kind of bright broaden my range as an actor I believe that's what happened and broaden my range as a person uh, <laughs> yeah so I think that's what happened yeah like have there been like moments where you feel like you've been like pushed into a masculine energy yeah all the time that's probably yeah that's why it's so hard to be in that feminine space you know I feel like I'm, mm-hmm. a lot of Afro-American women are probably pushed into being in that masculine space. That's why they're like, oh, you're strong, independent woman, blah, blah, blah. Like, ain't nobody trying to be no strong, independent woman. Like, I'm sorry. Y'all can have that. Y'all can, y'all, that's y'all turn. Yeah. You should do it. 
um, I'm gonna get taken care of. <laughs> like I'm not about to be <laughs> doing all that. Yeah. Nope. Yep. If I have not an today. option to not yeah. be a strong, independent woman, I will take that. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I think in reading about like masculine and feminine energy, I know that there's like like unhealthy and versus healthy manifestations. Um, and I mm. love what you say sort of about the, you know, like the, the, the choice, I guess, to sort of, um, be into one versus another. So I guess I was wondering, I guess like how, how you, how you sort of would define masculine versus feminine energies now. And I guess how you navigate those manifestations. Hmm. I, lately they've been blurring together a lot just mm-hmm. to create myself so like even dividing them is starting to feel weird but I know for sure when I am uh say hmm when I feel like I have to defend myself and assert dominance over something that's a very masculine trait of mine I I know I can do that. And it's usually when I feel threatened somehow Mm -hmm. and or someone or feel unheard somehow. And I feel like I have to say something or something to get walked on. Mm -hmm. So I know that. And I don't feel like that as a woman. I feel like that as an Afro-American person. Okay. As a woman, the woman, maybe it is because I'm a woman. I never Mm -hmm. experienced the woman part. I don't know. I feel like they don't really treat us like women. So it's like. You know, they're scared of us still. I'm like, what are you scared of? Dude, you can beat me up. Why are you afraid? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, like, what are you talking about? But, um, yeah, I, I I think that is. And then when I'm in my feminine energy, I guess I'm more, um, hmm. I'm learning how to stand up for myself while still being in that energy. So that's actually pretty nice without leaning into the masculine well, let's see. When I'm in my feminine, it's like the creative side, the side that just kind of lets it go. And um, also, I feel like I'm more being, just kind of frolicking and flowing and not having to worry about doing something all the time because the doing will just come from the being. And I really like to operate in that space. That space kind of sits well with me. I like it a lot. And it's good for my craft, too. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to leave the space too often. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's nice here, actually. Oh, and to go back to the masculine, feminine part, something just came up. I believe sometimes when women are seen as fierce, mm-hmm. like... I think that is kind of masculine, but still part of being a woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The fact that we can get fierce, like the fact that even if we're even if we're not super strong, like there's ferocity in there. It's like a lioness. You're not telling yeah. a lioness she's not feminine. She'd be like, "What? I have a vagina. What are you talking about? Like, she's an animal. Yeah. She don't know what feminine yeah. and masculine is." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah. so I think that part like it is 
I guess I guess nowadays I feel like it's seen as kind of a masculine, like, oh, I'm fierce because I'm doing this. But there's another tenacity in there, embedded in there, that's kind of feminine too that I've been exploring. Hmm. Yeah, and I think because like. I think that there is like a weird sort of, I think, like hierarchy sometimes when people consider like masculine versus like feminine energies. And like, you know, if like if you're like on like a bus, theoretically, at like 3 a.m., like you're not going to want to be like channeling any like extremely feminine energy. But it's also there is a type of femininity that is aggressive. And so I think it's not... I just think the hierarchy is really interesting. And I think, you know, like femininity isn't something, it's not just like softness. Like there's a lot of different right, like layers exactly. to it. Yeah, I played a Spartan one time in Lysistrata. I got to play Lampedo, the Spartan. And oh my gosh, when I first got the role, I was like a little, I was like, oh, did they choose this because I'm buff and black? I was like, oh uh-huh. man. Like a little part of me was like, thinking that (laughs) and I was like okay that's okay though that's okay I'm going to bring like a feminine lampedo Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like she's still gonna be a spartan and she's still gonna be because the spartans when I did the research the spartans treated their women differently than the uh, the other people we don't we don't care about them um Mm. (laughs) uh they treated their women like like warriors because they had babies. Mm-hmm. They treated them, if, if a woman died in childbirth, she got the same honor a warrior died, a warrior got from dying in battle. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they didn't see their women as masculine, you know? They yeah. surely saw them as feminine. Um, so, like, just to think about that while I was playing the role was great. It was like, oh, yeah. It's like, and I feel like that's a lot of the times how um, Afro-American men see us, some, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I know... Society tries to make us like not marryable, probably because we do have to be in that masculine energy a lot. Um, but even this, that's the case. I feel like there's some kind of like instinct for a black man to protect a woman, a black, especially any woman. I feel yeah. more safe around a bunch of black people than not black people. I'd be like, oh man, if something happened, I would die. Yeah, <laughs> like, just God just damn. in case. Yeah, I need to get off this. I need to go to the other train car. Please. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, uh. Yeah. So I, playing that role really taught me the nuances that you're talking about in the hierarchy that we've developed out of nowhere for these energies and mm-hmm. these like cultural visions of the two. Yeah. Yeah, so the last thing I sort of wanted to touch on is um, Spinally Free. So I would love to know, I guess, sort of where uh, where this name comes from and I guess, like, why this project was important for you to to create. All right. Thank you for calling it a project. It really is an art project. Uh, it's really close to my heart. Spinally Free comes from my fitness education and um how i am like in the fitness world i suppose Mm. personality wise and i'm really a big pilates person i'm a big mobility person um 
And I believe that the spine and Alexander would probably say that too, and the Pilates guy, Joseph, um, that the spine is really the, the central to everything. And just having so much tension, we crunch up, one, because of gravity. Yeah. What are you going to do? And then two, because of environmental stressors, you know, and then three, because of our habits of maybe shrinking ourselves or trying to elongate ourselves in awkward ways. And all mm-hmm. of this just creates what America has more than everybody else is back problems. We all got these weird back problems. And I think there's a connection between um, making the choices for yourself, like we talked about earlier, and um, unraveling, like you talked about earlier, and movement. And I think, like you said, the mind-body connection, I think that, well, I'm starting to learn that there's no such thing as mind-body connection. It's just you, yourself. Yeah. As an actor, you're taught that. Yeah, right? So, especially when you use your voice, it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So, yeah, I just think that everybody deserves to get a little taste of that. And I think Spinally Free, the freedom of learning these techniques blended in with fitness is amazing. And you know it, right? And I know it. And I think more people should know it. And and no one wants to not. Everyone's beat the actor. So I'm like, okay, fitness. Everyone loves fitness. And I can channel it into fitness and make it do something. So it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that you've described yourself as, as a flow coach within that <laughs> yeah. within that space and I think it's interesting to think about like about that and like writing and those different sort of variations of flow so I would love to know I guess if if working with on, on this project has sort of changed your writing practice at all mm. Mm. um yes yes working on this project has allowed me to just I guess be more cerebral about it and write things down. Like I know flow and cerebral don't always go together on paper, but to be in tune with what's going on is where the Zen happens. And then the Zen leads to the flow. Mm. And so just, yeah, just kind of staying that centered in, and just letting the flow happen has been very fruitful for me and developing a course right now. I'm developing a course for the outdoors and so developing on that has forced me to develop what I'm about to teach. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say so. Because I'm going to incorporate writing into the course. <laughs> it's going to be a fitness writing nice. flow course. Yeah. Yeah, I guess is there is there anything else that you want to to add or to get out into the world? You know, just keep slowing down, finding moments to slow down and think about situations if it comes up and make decisions that fit you and not who you think you should be, who anyone else thinks you should be and really just comes from your own true center to create the choice and keep doing that and you'll get into a flow and you can Try it out on what had happened was part two, the present, uh, available on YouTube now. Nice, nice. Produced yeah. by us in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So where can people find you on the the internet? That phrase sounds so creepy as I, as I say it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the famous internet. Yes. I can be found on Instagram 
Ty dot enough with an A. Ty dot A N O U G H. And yeah. or at Spinally Free, both mm. on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yes, thanks. Thanks for letting me. I love Three Girls Theater. Just so you know, guys, check out their work. They're wonderful podcasts. They got new playwrights coming up. I've met a couple of them. And I just look forward to continue to work with you guys. Yeah. And like ideally in person, which feels like very soon. Yeah. So I feel like I'm not jinxing it by saying it, which is always good. Thank you for listening. This has been Chasing the Ghost's Light. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, and review this podcast at wherever you get your pods. Our music is from the band Thrown Out Bones, and Chasing the Ghost's Light is produced by Three Girls Theater with associate production by Nicholas Angleton. Mm-hmm.